So we're in uh, John chapter 8, and our, our reading already for us this evening is verse 12 to verse 38. And uh, tonight we're just looking at this theme of Jesus being the one who brings light and freedom uh, into this world. And uh, Jesus has been making quite a number of claims so far in John's gospel as to who he is, his identity. And uh, there's also many people, as we know, who are bearing witness about who Jesus is. Because John's gospel is a gospel of, of testimony, of bearing witness as to Jesus' identity. And that's interesting. At verse 25 of John 8, which we're looking at this evening, uh, the, the religious leaders and the, uh, the people who are listening to Jesus ask him this question. Who are you? And he says, I, I told you that. <laughs> We've been talking about this since I've been teaching you. I've already been saying this from the beginning, who I am. But this is the real question. Who is Jesus of Nazareth? And he responds that he's been telling them from the start. And the whole point of John's gospel, again, is his actions and his words are revealing to us what his identity is. There's, there's certain things that Jesus has done so far and is going to do that the response is only God can do something like that, right? So when Jesus walks on water, uh, only God in the Old Testament, only God can tread on the water. No one's ever done that before. And uh, we're going to see a little bit later on, there's certain things that only God can do that Jesus uh, does and these signs are basically Jesus saying, I am the Messiah that you've been waiting for, but I'm also God in the flesh. And that's surprising. But also his, his words have been telling us a little bit about who he is as well. And just by a quick recap about his words here, in John 1, Jesus claims that he's the son of man. And he also claims that he is the temple of God. Because remember in John 1, he says the angels are going to ascend and descend upon the Son of Man. And he's talking back about Jacob and the angels and are, are ascending and descending on the, the temple of God, the house of God, the gate of God, uh, the gate of heaven, Jacob says. And Jesus claims to be that in John 1. In John 3, he's the Son of Man and he's the Son of God. In John 4, the, the woman says, when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us everything. And Jesus responds, I that speak to you am, I am the Messiah. In John 5, there are massive claims. He's the son of God. He's the judge of the world. He's the resurrection. He's the source of eternal life. He's the one that, the, that Moses and the prophets have been talking about all throughout their writings. In John 6, he's the bread of life. He's the sent one. And again, he's the son of man. And in John 7, he's the sent one. And he's also claiming to be the temple in John 7. Because remember, he's quoting Zechariah 14. Water will come from the temple. But he's saying, come to me and I'll make sure water is flowing to you. Uh, and he's basically referring to himself again as the, the, the temple of God. And here in this little section of John 8, we're going to see more about who Jesus is. And we're going to watch the confusion and the spiritual blindness of the religious leaders and just see once again that the only thing that hinders people from receiving forgiveness is not their sin but their 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 lack of coming to Jesus is what's stopping people from receiving forgiveness and we're going to sadly see that again here uh, as Jesus offers them so much but they refuse to accept it because they refuse him so the first thing we look at this evening is Jesus says in verse 12 to verse 20 I am the light. 
I am the light of the world, he says. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness anymore, but instead will have the light of life. This is a claim of Jesus. He is the light of the world. And this is going back to what we've been looking at already in John's gospel. In John chapter 1, in him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shone into the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it or could not comprehend it. And then it says a little bit later on, he is the true light, which gives light to everyone. And he was coming into the world In John 3, verse 19 to 20, again, this is the judgment. Light has come through Jesus as the light of the world into the world. But people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So this is Jesus. I am the light of the world. Come. All you have to do is come and believe. And you'll walk in the light of life instead of walking in the darkness. And instead of accepting this beautiful gift, the Pharisees have some questions. They say in verse 13, you bear witness of yourself and your witness is not true. You see, the last time Jesus was down in Jerusalem, Jesus says, I don't bear witness of myself. The Father bears witness of me. But here you're making all these claims, Jesus, and you're bearing witness of yourself and your witness isn't true. And so we, we come now to Jesus' response to this. They, they've accused him of bearing witness about himself. You're testifying of yourself. And your testimony isn't true. So what does Jesus say as a response to these things in verse 14 down to, to verse 18? He says this basically in verse 14. Even if it was the case that I'm bearing witness about myself... I'm actually telling the truth, though. <laughs> like, I, I am, I'm telling you the truth because I am the sent one. I am God in the flesh. He tells him in verse 14, essentially this, you don't know anything about me. You don't know anything about me. I know where I came from and where I'm going. You don't know where I come from. You don't know where I'm going. And this could refer to a few things. In the last chapter, they talked about how he was from Galilee, not realizing that he was born in Bethlehem. But also they don't realize that he is the one who has come from heaven. He's the sent one from God. In the last chapter, Jesus said that he was going somewhere. And they didn't know what he meant by that. You're going back to the, where, where is it he's going? He says, I'm going somewhere and you can't come with me. And they're like, where does he mean he's going somewhere? Is he going somewhere to teach the, the, the Gentiles somewhere? And Jesus is basically saying, you guys aren't getting it. You don't have a clue. I've been telling you this stuff, and it's not going in to your, to your minds. You guys don't even understand me. Never mind have evidence against me to condemn me. You don't even get what I'm saying. You don't have any comprehension of what I'm trying to teach you. And he says to them in verse 15, You're judging according to the flesh, but I judge no one. You're judging to condemn, he's basically saying. But that's not why I came. He didn't come to condemn But John 3 says they're already condemned because they refuse to believe. He says in verse 16 to to verse 18 that both he and the Father are the ones who are bearing testimony about who who Jesus is. And this is basically quoting the same stuff as we looked at in John 5. As I told you in John 5, it's it's the Father who's bearing witness about me. But then they ask this question in verse 19. Where is your Father? Where is your Father? And of course, Jesus has already told them, 
I and my father, we do the same thing. And they've already got the hint that, like, he's claiming to be equal with God by saying that he's the son of the father. And now they're asking this question, where is your father? Well, he's been claiming God is his father. And now they start asking stuff like this. And Jesus' response, again, is very simple in verse 19 to verse 20. You don't know him. You don't know him. In John 5 to 6, because you don't know him, you don't know me. But here in John 8, he says, because you don't know me, you don't know him. And what it's basically telling us, again, is the only way to the Father is through the Son. And you don't know the Father because you won't accept me and my claims and the Father's claims about who I am. He says that these things were being taught in the treasury, which is just a, in verse 20, it's the compound, it's a part of the, the temple. Some people believe there were, there were lights being lit in this temple area in the nighttime. And Jesus is saying, hey, you know these lights that you're lighting? They're just pictures of me. I'm the light of the world. You light these things up and, and this removes the darkness from this area so you can see where you're going. I am those things. I'm the reality of these things. I am the light of the world. Come to me and you'll not walk in the darkness of sin anymore. You'll walk in the light uh, instead. But it says here uh, in verse 20 that no one laid hands on him. They wanted to. They wanted him dead. They wanted to kill him. They wanted him arrested. But again, his hour had not yet come. And so by, by God's providence, Jesus is not arrested. He's not yet uh, put to death because there's still more for Jesus to do uh, before he is uh, to be put to death in the Father's will. So that's the first thing Jesus says, I am the light. All you have to do is come. And if you come, you'll walk in the light of life and you'll, you'll have this uh, not darkness anymore and you'll be free and you'll have life and it'll be wonderful. But instead of coming towards him, they walk away from him. They walk back into the darkness again of their unbelief. And the next thing that Jesus uh, tells them in verse 21 to verse 30 is, oh, and by the way, I'm going, I'm leaving this place. He says, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. It says here in verse 21, then Jesus said to them again, it could refer to the fact that this is the continuation of the conversation that he's having with them. Or it could have been a few days later, this next interaction that he's having with these people. But again, Jesus is claiming something. I'm going away and you're not able to, you won't be able to seek me and you're not able to come and you're going to die in your sin. This isn't something that Jesus is gloating over, that these people are going to die in their sin. This is not something that he desires or that he wants. Because in John 5, speaking to these religious leaders, he just wants them to come. If they come, they'll have life. If they'll come, they'll have forgiveness. And yet he said to them here in this verse, I'm going, you're going to look for me, you're not going to be able to find me, and you're going to die in your sin. But this is not because he wants them to. It's because they're condemning themselves because they will refuse to come. But again, they don't understand. Just like last time, there's this lack of understanding. And this is a great theme, if you remember, of John's Gospel. Uh, And the great theme of John's Gospel, one of them is, uh, Jesus is going to say things that you don't get the first time. Like, that just keeps happening, right? But what he's doing is he's speaking into the heart. And if the heart is towards God, if it's sensitive, if God is working in the heart and drawing, then there's a response of, I don't quite get what you said, but I believe what you said. Could you just explain it to me a little bit more? And Jesus is like, sure. Yeah, I will. 
and then he reveals himself as the Messiah or as some, some entity a few years, and the people respond by believing, and they're giving the gift of life. But the people who are hard-hearted, the people who refuse to believe, he speaks to them this way, they don't understand it fully, and they're, they're left, what? In darkness. They're left in ignorance. But not because Jesus is being difficult. It's because they want to be left in ignorance. They want to be in the darkness. John 3 says, Light came to the world, but men loved darkness instead of light and ran back into the darkness again instead of coming towards Jesus. So again, he says to them, I'm going away and you can't come. He said that to them earlier. They're like, where is he going? Is he going off to the Gentiles? Here they ask the question, where is he going? Is he going to kill himself? Instead, because he can't, where is he going to go that we can't follow him? Is he going to kill himself? They, they totally ignore his warning, though. If you look at it here in these verses, Jesus says, I'm going away. You're going to look for me. You're going to die in your sin. Which, which was a statement for, for these people to basically say, you're going to die in condemnation. You're going to die a condemned person. And instead of asking the question, why are we going to die in our sins? How do, we, how do we not die in our sins? We don't want that. How do we get away from that? They don't get it. They totally ignore this warning. And they're asking Jesus questions. How, is he going to kill himself? What's going on here? So Jesus responds once again in verse 23 to 24. You're from beneath. Being from beneath at this point doesn't mean they're from hell. It just means you're from this earth. Like you're from down here. And I'm not from down here. I'm from up there. I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. And so when we're speaking, you're not getting it. Because it's not going in. Because of your stubbornness and because of your sin and your pride, it's not going to go in for you. It's the same thing he said to his brothers in John 7. The world doesn't hate you. Because you're off the world. But again, he he says to them here in these verses, if you don't believe that I am, you might might have it in your your version there, in italics, I am he. But Jesus is basically saying, if you don't believe that I am, ego in me, then you will die in your sins. You'll die condemned. So he's basically saying once more, the only way to be uncondemned, to be free from that, is through believing in who he is. Jesus has said, I am. And so they ask this next question. Well, who are you then? Who are you? Verse 25. Who are you? And Jesus said, I've been telling you all along who I am. I've already told you. And I've already told you about you as well. I've already told you. And I have many things to say to you and and about you and about who you are and about how to find life and about your sin and your stubbornness and your self-righteousness. But you will not hear. Verse 27 says, They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. There's this complete lack of understanding amongst these people. But remember, this is is because they're, they're, they're willful unbelief. Okay, it's willful unbelief. They they don't want to believe. They don't want to come. It's a refusal to acknowledge who Jesus is. A refusal to come to uh, God uh, because of their love for sin, and so they don't understand what Jesus is saying. So we come to verse twenty-eight to verse thirty, and Jesus said to them, "When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know ego I me. Then you will know I am." 
I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. I always do those things that please him. Going back to John 5. So basically, once I'm lifted up, then you'll realize everything I've already told you in John 5 is true. You can't get more explicit than what he said in John 5. And every time he says something in John 6 and 7 and here in John 8, he's basically going back to what he said in John 5. And he says here, once I'm lifted up, then you will know who I am and what I've been saying is true. Because there's going to be a cross. And the cross is going to lead to a grave. And the grave is going to lead to a resurrection. And a resurrection is going to lead to an ascension. And an ascension is going to lead to him being glorified. And him being glorified is going to lead to his return. And he says, then you will believe. At this lifting up of me, you will believe that I am. You will realize uh, who I am. It says in, in verse 30, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. And that sounds really good, right? Many people believe in Jesus. Yes, what a result. But remember what's been going on so far in John's gospel. In John chapter 2, it says many people began to believe in him. But what did he do? He didn't give himself to them because he knew their hearts. And he knew that this belief was a fickle faith. And in John 6, his followers, his disciples, the people who believed in him, what did they do at the end of John 6? They left him. They totally forsook him. They completely abandoned Jesus because they said these things are too hard for us to hear. So here in these verses, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. We're like, this is great. This is wonderful news. But then we keep reading what happens next. And we see that it it might not be so great. That these are people who are beginning to believe, beginning to respond. That maybe what he's saying is true. But sadly, we're going to see uh, that again, what he has to say, they don't want to hear. So the, the third thing then that Jesus says is that he is freedom. He is freedom. I am the light. If you'll just need to come to me and you'll, you'll walk in, light, in the light of life and you won't walk in darkness anymore. And instead they demand questions. Who are you? Who's your father? Where are you going? And then Jesus says, listen, I'm going away and you can't come. And if you don't believe in me, you're going to die in your sins. Come and believe in me. And again, demanding of questions and, and no understanding of what Jesus has to say. And then this third thing, Jesus basically says to them, I am freedom. And we watch how these people who were believing in him ends up the opposite of that. So verse 31 to 38, I am freedom. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Jesus is saying here, if you'll come to me, If you'll have a relationship with me and continue in my word, you'll know what true freedom is. You'll know what it means to be really free. Remember, these people think that a Messiah is going to come and bring them freedom from what? Freedom from Rome. Freedom from the nations. This Messiah is going to come and glorify them and, and exalt them among the nations. And they're going to be the greatest. And the religious leaders especially are going to be the absolute greatest. They're going to be the, the creme de la creme, these boys. And Jesus comes along and says, listen, I'm coming to bring you true freedom. And we're going to see what that true freedom is from. And they're not expecting this. They're not appreciating this because they don't see how serious their sin is. And Jesus says, if you hear 
and believe what I'm saying, that I'm speaking the truth, then the truth that I'm speaking will set you free. You'll be free because I am the one who sets people free. I am freedom. And instead of responding to this joyfully, thank you for freeing us. Wonderful news. The Messiah has come and we believe you and you're coming to set us free. Look what they say in verse 33. We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now this is absurd to read this. And again, what we're seeing here is the spiritual blindness of these people. Because remember, uh, in the last chapter, they says, No prophet has ever come from Galilee, Nicodemus. And we do know a prophet that came from Galilee. His name is Jonah. And you're like, what? You're so blind. And here we have these people who have professed to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Who are now saying, we're Abraham's. We have never, ever been in bondage to anyone. Okay, so going back, a brief history of the nation of Israel, right? 400 years of slavery in Egypt. 40 years of walking in the wilderness. Then in the land of Canaan, things go well for about seven minutes, right? And then we got the book of Judges. And what's the book of Judges all about? Oppression after oppression after oppression. So much so that they're, that they're doing things secretly. They don't have weapons anymore. Because they're under oppression of the nations around them. The Moabites and the Ammonites and the Amalekites are oppressing them. And then we have a little bit of freedom for a short amount of time. And then they're in exile for 70 years in captivity. And even before captivity, they're paying tribute to kings. Kings that are far off. Kings of the east to the Babylonians and the Assyrians and paying them money. Please don't come and take us. Please don't kill us. Here's some stuff. And then they come back after 70 years of exile and they build their temple and they build their walls. And then we know the history of what happens next. Greece comes and invades. And Greece occupies Israel. The Romans come and invade. And the Romans occupy Israel. And as these men say these things, we are not in bondage. A Roman soldier walks by. Yeah, right. What? Paying tribute to Caesar. Forced to do... They're not able to follow the law the way they want to follow the law. Because of the, the Roman occupation. And they're so blind uh, to what... To, to, they're so blind they can't even see actual... Physical slavery and physical bondage, never mind what Jesus is actually speaking about here, which is spiritual bondage, spiritual slavery. They say we are Abraham's descendants. We are free and we have always been free. It's ludicrous to think that way. But here they are. And it can be just like us as well. You're not meant to read this like we talked about a few, cha- few chapters ago. You're not supposed to read these, these chapters of John and say, those pesky Jews. You're meant to read this and think, am I like this? Am I so blind to my own sin? Am I so blind to my own issues that I'm a slave? Am I, a, am I blind to these things that I do? And you're not meant to search the Jews. You're not meant to search the person beside you. You're meant to search your own heart with this stuff. You'd be like, are they crazy? And then you're meant to say, am I crazy? Is this me? Can I be like this as well? And Jesus explains, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And the idea here of committing is a, is a lifestyle of committing sin. 
If you have a lifestyle of committing sin, then you are a slave of sin. And we live in the 21st century where everyone wants to be free from the shackles of moralism. Let's cut off the shackles. And Psalm 2, let us cut his cords from us and break his bands asunder. Let's be free, they say. Let's be free to sleep who we want to sleep with. Let's be free to be whatever we want to be. We're free. We don't need to do what anyone tells us what to do. But if they would only hear what Jesus says, whoever lives a lifestyle of sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. Because they're claiming to be Abraham's descendants. A slave doesn't live in the house forever. Sometime at one point he could, be, he could leave. He's, he's removed from the house. But a true son will abide forever. And as a sinless son of God, verse 36, if I make you free, you'll be free free. You'll be truly free. You'll be free indeed. I will set you free as the free son of the house. Yes, you might be Abraham's descendants, but you're slaves to sin. And come to me and I will set you free. He says to them in verse 37, Yeah, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you're trying to kill me. And the reason you're trying to kill me is because my word has no place in you. And that's not like Abraham. Because I spoke to Abraham. I am the word of God. I've spoke to Abraham. And whenever I said to Abraham, Abraham believed me and Abraham obeyed me. And here I am speaking to you. And my word has no place in you whatsoever. I speak what I've seen with my father. And you do what you have seen with your father. Well, who are the people's father? That's what we look at next time. Who is the father of these people? But just to finish off this evening, if you're a Christian uh, tonight, and again, like you know, we, we, th- this message is is believe and, and believe and experience the light, believe and experience freedom. But you know, as Christians, we need this as well. We need a better glimpse of Jesus. We can sometimes get caught up in sin, and we have to not make excuses and not justify those things. We have to accept this is slavery of sin. This is sin that I'm committing here. And if we'll commit it and we'll run to Jesus with it, you know what he says? You'll be free. I have the power to set free whoever will come to me. And that's such good news. Jesus breaks the chains of sin. Jesus pulls people out of the darkness of sin. If you're not a Christian in this room, do you want to continue walking in darkness? Or do you want to come to the light and to life? It's a choice that you make. It's not, again, it's not the lack of evidence. These people have seen Jesus perform miracles. And in the next chapter, they're going to watch him do another one that only God can do. And they still respond in unbelief. If you want to continue walking in darkness, that's your choice. But we would plead with you to not. And to instead come to the light. Come to life. And don't die in your sin. Do you want to continue in slavery to sin? Or do you want to come to the freedom that Jesus offers us. This is a beautiful promise that Jesus gives to his people. And this is a promise that I want us as Christians, not just to tell unbelievers, but to live like it's true this week going forward. I'll just read them out for us again. If you're a Christian in this room, Jesus is offering us this as his people. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That's not a commandment. 
It's not a commandment, you will not walk in darkness. It's a promise. Come to me and you'll not have to walk in darkness anymore. But instead you'll have the light of life. And again, if you're a Christian in this room this evening, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I, I don't know what your sins are. I have a sense of an idea of mine, although the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I don't know what your besetting sins are. I don't know what keeps tripping you up and causing you to stumble. But I do know that Jesus promises that there is freedom in him and there's light in him away from these things. And that can be found through knowing him more, through coming to him closer, through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, believing in who he is, believing in what he's able to do, believing in his promises. That's how we end up walking in the light. That's how we end up walking in freedom instead of walking in sin. So I call to you, if you're not a Christian, come to Jesus, come and experience light and freedom instead of willful blindness and willful darkness and willful slavery. And I appeal to you as believers, come closer to Jesus. Come and know him more and more, who he is and what he's promised for his people. And then walk that out in your life this week by his grace in each of us. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to...